0: You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group and be able to share your own thoughts and insights with other listeners who are following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts, the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 247. And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 579-585. to 585. 5.79 The most meek lamb silently bore this flood of insults and blasphemies. Lucifer, tormented by his anxious desire of seeing some sign of impatience in him, was lashed into fury at the equanimity with which the Savior bore it all. Therefore he inspired those slaves and friends of his with the project of despoiling the Lord of all his clothes and pursuing their ill treatment according to suggestions, which could only originate in the execrable demon they readily yielded to this new inspiration set about its execution. But the most prudent lady was moved to most tearful prayers and aspirations at this abominable attempt and interfered with her power as the queen." She asked the Eternal Father to withdraw his cooperation with the secondary or created causes towards such a beginning, and she commended the faculties of these servants not to perform their natural functions. Thus it happened that none of the Rufians could execute the indecencies which the demon or their own malice suggested to them. Some of these suggestions they forgot immediately, and others they could not follow up because their limbs became, as it were, frozen or paralyzed until they again changed their intent. As soon as they desisted, the use of their limbs would again be restored. For this was not intended as a punishment, but merely in order to prevent their practicing any indecencies. They were left entirely free to practice those cruelties or indulge in other irreverence which were not so indecent or were permitted by the Lord. 580. The powerful queen also commanded the demons to be silent, and forbade them to follow out the indecent intentions of Lucifer, their leader. By this command of the powerful lady, the dragon completely lost his power in those matters which Mary wished to include in her prohibition. Neither could he further irritate the foolish anger of those depraved men, nor could they go away further in their indecency than she permitted." But while experiencing within themselves the wonderful and extraordinary effects of her commands, they did not merit to be undeceived or recognize the divine power, although they thus saw themselves alternately paralyzed and suddenly restored to the full use of their powers. They attributed it merely to the sorcery and magic of the master of truth. In their diabolical infatuation, they continued to practice their insulting mockery and tortures upon the person of Christ until they noticed that night had already far advanced. Then they again tied him to the column, and leaving him thus bound, they departed with all the demons. It was ordained by the divine wisdom that the power of the Blessed Mother safeguarded propriety and decency due to the person of her most pure son against the improper intentions of Lucifer and his ministers. 581. Again the Savior was alone in the dungeon, surrounded by the angelic spirits, who were full of admiration at the doings and the secret judgments of the Lord and what he wished to suffer. They adored him with deepest reverence and magnified his holy name in exalted praise. The Redeemer of the world addressed a long prayer to his Eternal Father for the children of the Evangelical Church, for the spreading of the Holy Faith, and for the Apostles, especially for St. Peter, who during that time was beweeping his sin. He prayed also, For those who had injured and tormented him, above all, he included in his prayers Most Holy Mother, and all those who in imitation of him were to be afflicted and despised in this world. At the same time he offered up his passion and his coming death for these ends. His grief-stricken mother followed him in these prayers, offering up the same petitions for the children of the church and for its enemies without any movements of anger, indignation, or dislike toward them. Only against the demon was she incensed. Because he was entirely incapable of grace on account of his irreparable obstinacy and sorrowful complaints, she addressed the Lord, saying, 5.82 Divine love of my soul, my Son and Lord, thou art worthy to be reverenced, honored, and praised by all creatures, since thou art the image of the Eternal Father and the figure of his substance. Hebrews one three, Infinite in thy being and in thy perfections, thou art the beginning of all holiness. Apocalypse one 8. But if the creatures are to serve thee in entire subjection, why do they now, my Lord and God, despise, vilify, insult, and torture thy person, which is worthy of the highest worship and adoration? Why is the malice of men risen to such a pitch? Why is pride dared to raise itself even above heaven? How can envy become so powerful? Thou art the only and unclouded son of justice, which enlightens and dispels the darkness of sin. John one nine. Thou art the fountain of grace, withholding its waters from no one. Thou art the one who in his liberal love givest being and life to all that live upon this earth, and all things depend upon thee, while thou hast need of none. Acts 17.28 What, then, have they seen in thy doings? What have they found in thy passion, that they should treat thee in so vile a manner? O most atrocious wickedness of sin, which has so disfigured the heavenly beauty and obscured the light of thy countenance. O cruel sin, which is so inhumanly pursues the repair of all thy evil consequences. But I understand, my son and master. I understand that thou art the builder of the true love, the author of human salvation, the master and lord of virtues. Psalm 23.10 Thou wishest to put into practice thyself what thou teachest the humble disciples of thy school. Thou wishest to humble pride, confound haughtiness, and become the example of eternal salvation to all. And if thou desirest that all imitate thy ineffable patience and charity, then that is my duty before all others, since I have administered to thee the material, and clothed thee in this body now subjected to suffering and wounded, spit upon and buffeted. O would that I alone should suffer these pains, and that thou, my most innocent son, be spared. And since this is not possible, let me suffer with thee unto death. You, O heavenly spirits, who, full of wonder at the long-suffering of my son, recognize his immutable deity, the innocence and excellence of his humanity, seek ye to compensate for these injuries and blasphemies heaped upon him by men. Give him glory and magnificence, wisdom, honor, and virtue." Apocalypse 512 Invite the heavens, the planets, and the stars and the elements to acknowledge and confess him, and see whether there is another sorrow equal to mine. Such are many more or the sorrowful aspirations of the most pure lady, in giving vent to the bitterness of her grief and pain. five eighty three. Pureless was the patience of the heavenly princess in the death and passion of her beloved son and lord, so that what she suffered never seemed to her much, nor her afflictions equal to those demanded by her affection, which was measured only by the love and dignity of her son and the greatness of his sufferings. Nor did she in any of the injuries and affronts against the Lord take any account of their being committed against herself. She reflected not on the share which she herself had in them, although she was made to suffer so much by all of them. She deplored them only in so far as they outraged the divine personality and caused damage to the aggressors. She prayed for them all that the Most High might pardon them and grant them salvation from the evils of sin and enlightenment, for gaining the fruits of redemption. Instruction given by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary, 584. My daughter, it is written in the Holy Gospels, John five fifty seven, that the Eternal Father has given to His only Son and mind the power to judge and condemn the reprobate on the last day, the day of universal judgment. This was eminently proper, not only in order that all the sinners may see their judge who will sentence them according to the most just will of God, but also in order that they may behold and recognize his humanity by which they were redeemed and be confronted in it with the torments and injuries it suffered in order to rescue them from eternal damnation. The same judge and Lord who shall judge them shall also advance the charge as they cannot answer or satisfy for the crimes with which he charges them. Their confusion will be only the beginning of the eternal torments, which they merit by their obstinate ingratitude. For then shall become evident to all the world the greatness of his most merciful and kind redemption, and the justice of their damnation. Great was the sorrow, most bitter the grief, of my most holy Son, that not all should make use of the fruits of his redemption. This same thought also pierced my heart, and immensely added to the sorrow of seeing him spit upon buffeted, and blasphemed more cruelly than can ever be understood by living man. But I understand all these sufferings, clearly, and as they should be understood. Therefore, my sorrow was great in proportion to this knowledge, just as it was also the measure of my reverence and love of the person of Christ, my Son and Lord. But next to this sorrow, my greatest one was to know that after all these death-dealing sufferings of the Lord, so many men should still damn themselves, even without sight of all the infinite treasures of grace." 5.85. I wish that thou imitate and follow me in this sorrow, and that thou lament this fearful misfortune, for among all the losses sustained by men there is none which deserves to be so deplored, nor which can ever be compared to it. My son and I look with special love upon those who imitate this sorrow, and afflict themselves on account of the perdition of so many souls. Seek thou, my dearest, to distinguish thyself in thy exercise, and continue to pray for thou canst scarcely imagine how acceptable are such prayers to the Almighty. But remember his promise, that those who pray shall receive, and that to those who knock the gates of his infinite treasure shall be opened. In order that thou mayest have something to offer in return, write into thy heart what my most holy son and thy spouse suffered at the hands of those vile and depraved men, and the invincible patience, meekness, and silence, with which he submitted to their wicked whims. With this example, labor from now on. That no anger nor any other passion of a daughter of Adam have any sway over thee. Let any interior and ever active horror of pride and a dread of injuring thy neighbor be engendered in thy bosom. Solicitously ask the Lord for patience, meekness, and peacefulness, and for a love of sufferings, and Christ's cross. Embrace this cross with a pious and affection, and follow Christ thy spouse, in order that thou mayest at last possess him. Matthew 16, 14. This concludes our reading for today, day number 247. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 17, paragraphs 579 to 585. Again, in today's reading, we see how the passion of Jesus afflicts the heart and afflicts the soul of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We see that as she understands and sees the passion of Jesus, that interiorly it moves her to prayer. And that prayer is powerful as we heard that it was able to change things that were happening. Mary's prayers are indeed powerful. God hears her. God answers her. And then the offering of Christ's passion At the same time, he offered up his passion and his coming death for these ends. His grief-stricken mother followed him in these prayers, offering up the same petitions for the children of the church and for its enemies without any movements of anger, indignation, or dislike toward them. He prayed for those who had injured and tormented him. Above all, he included in his prayer his most holy mother and those who in imitation of him were to be afflicted and despised in this world. So Jesus, as he's praying during all of this, and think about this, when we suffer, when something befalls us, we often abandon faith, we don't bring it to Jesus, we almost say, God has abandoned me. But Jesus, who from the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is praying in this moment. He doesn't feel that God has abandoned him, he knows the hour that has come, and he prays to his father, And he offers his sufferings for the sake of the healing of those who are afflicting him. He offers it for the future church. He offers it for the present church. And that teaches us something in our lives. That the sufferings we face, that all that we undergo, we offer to Jesus. Jesus, I give you this suffering of mine. I give it for the conversion of sinners. I give it for the conversion of my family. I give it for whatever intentions that are near and dear to me. Give meaning to your suffering by giving it to Jesus in prayer. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.